Oxhill Q, Bristol, Vermont, WNYV, Whitehall, Glens Falls. It's 8 o'clock. Good morning. This is Northern Light for Thursday, January 18th. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. We continue our investigation into far-right extremism in the region. Yesterday, we profiled a North Country sheriff with ties to the Oath Keepers, which played a key role in the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, and a far-right constitutional sheriff's group. There have been real efforts to recruit amongst domestic extremist groups from law enforcement, including law enforcement leadership. And that's something we have to grapple with as a state and as a country. Today, we'll meet another sheriff, Rich Giardino of Fulton County, who is in a gray area. He was also recruited by the constitutional sheriffs, but turned them down for being too extreme. He did join a less hardline group, Protect America Now. Were you aware that along with the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, they're like considered the other big Constitutional Sheriffs sort of ideology group? Everything and everything I was set has to do with the borders, drugs, guns, and crime. I didn't, what you're telling me is news to me. Today on Northern Light, a cautionary tale on how easily a person can be recruited into a larger movement before they have all the facts. Stick with us. Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by Gray and Gray and Associates, CPAs in accounting and financial services firm in northern New York, with offices in Canton, Potsdam, and Spring Hill, Florida, graycpas.com. And AdirondackExplorer.com and AdirondackAlmanac.com presenting daily updated news on public policy, environmental issues, and local communities in the Adirondack Park. This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. We continue our series today on far-right extremism in the North Country, which you can hear as a podcast called If All Else Fails. Yesterday, we heard about a sheriff's group that, expect, that, that experts describe as authoritarian and dangerous. It's called the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. It teaches sheriffs they don't have to enforce laws they think are unconstitutional. Rich Giardino is the sheriff of Fulton County, just west of Saratoga Springs. He was invited to join the group, but declined. I think that some of the leadership in some of these places are too extreme. I don't want my name to be attached to that message. But Giardino has had ties to another far-right group called Protect America Now. Reporters Zach Hirsch and Emily Russell bring us the story. Hey, come on. Hey, sir. Sure. I'm Rich. I'm Zach. Nice Hi, to meet you. This is my Hi, colleague, Emily. Emily. Good to meet Come you. on in. Thank you. We met up with the sheriff of Fulton County, New York, on a late summer afternoon. His office is in Johnstown, just south of the Adirondacks. Um, the place is a mess. I apologize. It's a working office. Oh, no problem. No problem. Okay. Rich Giardino's office is overflowing with papers and little knickknacks. Giardino is a lifelong Republican, but he has action figures of Bill and Hillary Clinton on his desk. He told us the Clintons were a gift he got as a joke. 
There's also a retro campaign sign in Giardino's office. It's from back when he ran for district attorney. Giardino likes to talk about his career. He jokes he has quite the ego. I'm the only one in state history that's been a DA, a judge, and a sheriff. We're here to talk to Giardino about incidents of far-right extremism that have happened recently in his county, like white supremacist, anti-government stuff. We also knew Giardino was a member of Protect America Now, a far-right constitutional sheriff's group. People who study anti-government movements say the group is radicalizing sheriffs across the country. Then, just a few days before our interview... This happened. Authorities in Fulton County tonight are searching for several people who committed a crime with spray paint canisters in their hands and hate in their hearts. A Black Lives Matter sign was vandalized with swastikas and the N-word in red spray paint. This roadside vandalism in rural Fulton County is a reminder that no community is immune from the reality of racial bias. Yes, I heard voices. That's reporting from WNYT Local News. Giardino described the incident as mean-spirited, but says his office didn't investigate it as a hate crime. He says it was either people, quote, getting drunk who maybe have racist views, or it was just kids. I honestly believe right now we believe they're kids on four-wheelers. You know, I don't believe it's an organized white supremacist group or, or any organized group. It wasn't the first time something like that had happened here. In 2017 and again in 2020, there were reports of Ku Klux Klan activity in the area. But again, Giardino kind of downplayed that. He said it was probably just a group from out of town trying to get a rise out of people. It was not only our community. There were some in other counties around us. There were some in some villages in the city and people were writing KKK meeting or support the KKK. But that was like, it was a blurp on the screen and it was gone. But then something else happened. In 2022, an alleged neo-Nazi was caught planning to rob a bank just down the road from Giardino's office. The sheriff described that case as really serious and scary. But Giardino told us he doesn't see far-right extremism as a systemic issue in Fulton County. When we have incidents, it's like one or two, frankly, nut jobs. Giardino isn't saying far-right extremism doesn't exist. He just thinks of it as more of an occasional lone wolf thing. And he says it's nowhere near a local issue like drug overdoses or mental health. But that was very different from what we heard from the State Division of Homeland Security and Emergency Services Commissioner Jackie Bray. I simply disagree with this sheriff. It's a total false choice to say one thing is a, is a greater threat than another thing. Law enforcement has to walk and chew gum all the time. And there is not a county in the state that doesn't have a challenge with extremism. As we heard about the different incidents in Fulton County and how Giardino characterizes them, we couldn't help but wonder if his mindset had anything to do with the elephant in the room. The fact that Giardino himself was part of a far-right group with an anti-government agenda. So I finally brought it up. Can you tell us about Protect America Now? I was a member of Protect America Now. I think I still am. The people who brought me and asked me to join, I knew. It didn't trigger any red flags. I look at it as Protect America Now. It makes sense. Protect America. The, The few people I know from this are not extremists. I mean, they're loud. They're vocal. But it's about the borders and it's about the crossings and the drugs and the guns. 
It's a, a problem across the country and not just down south. Far-right extremism is thriving in small, rural communities across the country, gaining support from mainstream voters and local law enforcement. There have been real efforts to recruit amongst domestic extremist groups from law enforcement, including law enforcement leadership. And that's something we have to grapple with as a state and as a country. We're looking into extremist groups and militia movements in upstate New York, why they're drawing support, and what kinds of threats they pose at a pivotal moment for the United States. This is If All Else Fails from North Country Public Radio. I'm Zach Hirsch. And I'm Emily Russell. Before we hear more about Sheriff Rich Giardino, here's some background on Protect America Now. The group was formed after the 2020 presidential election by Mark Lamb, a sheriff from Arizona. Our borders are overrun. Crime is taking over our cities, and progressives want to take our guns. America's sheriffs are the last line of defense, and we refuse to lose hope. That's why we started... In this ad, Lamb is wearing a tactical vest and a big cowboy hat. According to its website, the goal of Protect America Now is to, quote, build a coalition of patriots. Together, we are fighting back against the liberal takeover. We are calling out the ridiculous lies in the fake news, and we are pushing back against an overreaching government that wants to make America less safe, less secure, and less free. Protect America Now amplified false claims of widespread voter fraud after the 2020 election. It also teamed up with another group called True the Vote that spreads election conspiracy theories. Protect America Now is also staunchly anti-immigrant, often portraying migrants as potential threats. Chuck Tanner is with the Institute for Research and Education on Human Rights, a social justice group tracking white nationalism. Tanner says the most alarming thing about groups like Protect America Now is that they use law enforcement to promote extremist ideologies. When you look at the constellation of things that these groups are mobilizing around, you're looking at pushing a far-right agenda through policing, plain and simple. Tanner says Protect America Now is also part of the constitutional sheriff's movement. There's a lot of overlap with the other major group in that movement, the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, which we heard about in the previous episode. Tanner says Protect America Now is slightly softer in its rhetoric. The group appeals to a wider audience, focusing on generic issues that a lot of conservatives care about, a secure border, drug trafficking, things like that. Pete Kurtz-Glovis is with the Polarization and Extremism Research and Innovation Lab at American University. Protect America Now doesn't take as hardline a stance on these issues. And because of that, it can be a little bit more appealing to the general public. But at the end of the day, both of these groups are pushing the same idea, the same concept that the sheriff is the ultimate authority in the United States. That is where the real threat is. Law enforcement members in the constitutional sheriff's movement believe they can decide what is and isn't constitutional. That's played out in recent years in upstate New York, where sheriffs have refused to enforce certain laws. Protect America Now has 75 members listed on its website, all county sheriffs from across the U.S., including two from New York. 
That day we were in his office in September, Fulton County Sheriff Rich Giardino was one of those two sheriffs. Did I send you my, let me send you my bio so you have oh, yeah. this isn't To understand Rich Giardino's ideology, it's helpful to know about his legal background. Giardino went to Albany Law School and served as a district attorney and later a county judge. His nameplate from back when he was a judge is still hanging on the inside of his office door. It's that legal experience that Giardino leans on as sheriff when it comes to his interpretation of the law. My positions are always based on my education, my training, having written decisions about constitutionality. If I believe it's unconstitutional, I will not enforce it or I will not put sources onto it to enforce it. In 2020, Giardino said he would not enforce a state-mandated 10-person limit on holiday gatherings during the pandemic. He's also pushed back on a state gun law that passed in 2022, the Concealed Carry Improvement Act, saying it, quote, unfairly targets law-abiding citizens. If we stopped you and you're Price Chopper and you've got your gun on and Price Chopper doesn't allow guns, we're not going to arrest you. We're going to say, look, the law changed. You can't bring your gun in there. It's got to be in a lockbox in your car. So I have a tremendous amount of discretion. Other sheriffs around New York State have said the same thing about that new gun law. And prosecutors and police do use discretion all the time. But Giardino seems to take the idea of discretion further, deciding what is and isn't constitutional. I take a position based on my personal opinions. Where I live is pretty conservative, moderate. I think most of the people who support me, whether they agree with me or not, like the fact that at least I take a position. This is what worries top security officials and experts when local police rely on their own personal interpretation of the law when deciding what to enforce. Because in our system of government, lawmakers make the laws. Law enforcement's job is to enforce the law. I would like to know when he was appointed to the Supreme Court, because if not, that is generally outside of the scope of his duties as a lawyer or as a sheriff. That's Rachel Goldwasser. She's a senior analyst with the Southern Poverty Law Center. Obviously, there is some level of discretion within uh, prosecutors' offices, etc. What I hear is that I'm not actually going to be doing my job. Our interview with Sheriff Giardino lasted more than two hours. And in that time, we learned that Giardino is in more of a gray area when it comes to the constitutional sheriff's movement. It's clear the Constitution is important to Giardino. His interpretation of that document drives a lot of what he does. But Giardino does draw a line. He doesn't think being a local sheriff gives him some almighty power, his words. He actually describes that idea embraced by many constitutional sheriffs as extreme. Giardino says he was actually asked to join the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, but he said no. I mean, I like the concept of constitutional sheriffs. It sounds good, right? It sounds like, yeah, we're there for the Constitution. But if they go too far, or if they have members who go too far, then it doesn't take much to tarnish the whole organization. And you can't make a distinction. He says he also turned down an invitation to join the Oath Keepers militia. But Protect America Now didn't seem to cross a line for Giardino. That might be because he was recruited by someone he knows and respects, Sheriff Mike Lewis from Maryland. Mike said, hey, you know, I'm going to nominate you for this Protect America Now. It's a group of sheriffs and, you know, we need a strong voice in New York. 
Were you aware that along with the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, they're like considered the other big Constitutional Sheriffs sort of ideology group? I am not that aware of in-depth. It didn't trigger any red flags because the, the portions of it that I reviewed in the online research I did, everything and everything I was sent has to do with the borders, drugs, guns, and crime. Yeah. So I, I, I'm now, when you guys leave, I'm going to go nuts on it. We told Giardino what we knew about the group, specifically how the Southern Poverty Law Center labels it extreme. They were concerned with both CSPOA and Protect America Now. <laughs> they felt like they were kind of part of the same ecosystem of like anti-government extreme type groups. I didn't, what you're telling me is news to me. So I didn't know about this. Morally safer. Yeah. 60 minutes. <laughs> Sitting behind his desk, Sheriff Giardino seemed genuinely concerned, at least with the optics of being connected to a group like Protect America Now. But about a month after our interview, his photo was still on the membership page. So we called him back. Giardino said he thought about it some more and told us the group still didn't cross a line for him. I, I do think that the Protect America Now has specific reasons and objectives, and most of those I agree with that have been published and that I've heard spoken of. Uh, if there's some radical element that I don't know about, um, I can't speak to that. I just know what I know about, you know? It, it, it sounds confusing. But the day after that phone call, he texted us. He said he looked into it a little further, and he said, quote, there are more connections with the constitutional sheriffs than I was previously aware of, and some of the statements of some board members are troubling to me and not in line with my beliefs. It's worth noting that we had several long follow-up conversations with Giardino. He was generous and open with us throughout our reporting. While Giardino said he supports Protect America Now's stance on border issues, and he echoed some of the group's rhetoric about, quote, drugs and criminals flowing into the country, ultimately, Giardino said he was withdrawing his name from the group immediately. Your insistent questioning caused me to dig deeper, Giardino said in his text. Thanks for bringing this to my attention. Giardino's photo is still on the group's website, but it looks like they haven't made many updates in about a year. We reached out to Protect America Now and never heard back, but we have a copy of Giardino's email to Mark Lamb. In that email, Giardino said he was resigning from Protect America Now, but he doesn't condemn or denounce the group. In fact, he said he'll continue to support efforts to strengthen border protection. The experts we spoke with for this story said they were glad to hear that Giardino left Protect America Now. But if his ideology remains the same, they wondered if it even really matters. And they said there's a cautionary tale here about how easily a person can be recruited into a larger movement before they have all the facts. Here's Pete Kurtz-Glevis again from American University. It's easy, right? You hear there's a group that wants to endorse you, that wants to back you. The name Protect America Now does not scream concern. But at the end of the day, these are groups that are pushing their own political agenda, and they're trying to do so by having sheriffs carry out their agenda. 
The constitutional sheriffs are still recruiting here in New York and across the country. They're still pushing conspiracy theories about election security and a far-right interpretation of the Constitution. Experts say they have real concerns that sheriff's groups and other far-right groups will play a role in undermining trust in the upcoming presidential election. For North Country Public Radio, I'm Zach Hirsch. And I'm Emily Russell. This story is part of a new series on far-right extremism called If All Else Fails. You can listen to all the episodes right now by subscribing to the podcast. Just go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen and search If All Else Fails. Tomorrow we'll hear part four. James Benet went through a political transformation over the last few years from leaning left to diving deep into the far right. He went down a rabbit hole of conspiracy theories, including about the 2020 presidential election. That eventually landed him in federal prison. That story's tomorrow morning right here on Northern Light. It's 20 after 8. Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by Cronin's Golf Resort, a regional destination for golf, dining, and lodging in the southern Adirondacks. Details at Cronin'sGolfResort.com. Here's more news from North Country Public Radio. A New York City Democrat introduced a resolution yesterday to censure North Country Congresswoman Elise Stefanik. Kara Chapman has more. Representative Dan Goldman's resolution accuses Stefanik of supporting those who took part in the January 6th Capitol attack. The resolution cites statements Stefanik made on NBC's Meet the Press earlier this month. During that interview, she echoed former President Donald Trump when she described those convicted of and serving time for taking part in the Capitol riot as hostages. She also referred to their prosecution as, quote, the weaponization of the federal government. In a statement, Goldman said Stefanik's rhetoric, quote, betrays her oath of office and the House of Representatives and must be condemned in the strongest possible terms. Stefanik fired back on X, formerly known as Twitter. She said Democrats are desperate because they know Trump will defeat President Biden in November. She said, quote, I will always stand up for NY21 and the American people, the Constitution and President Trump. Republicans hold the House majority. The New York Times reports that they are unlikely to schedule a floor vote on the censure resolution as Stefanik is one of their highest ranking members. Goldman could bring it up as a privileged resolution. That would force a vote on the House floor. Kara Chapman, North Country Public Radio. In Albany, Governor Hochul's new budget plan is already meeting some resistance from the legislature. Karen DeWitt reports. While Hochul is a Democrat and both houses of the legislature are led by Democrats, the governor's budget is not guaranteed to be an easy sell to the Senate and Assembly. One item expected to meet resistance is the governor's proposal to keep state aid flat for some suburban and rural school districts. 
Hochul and her budget office managed to close a $4.3 billion projected deficit by tamping down the rate of spending growth in education and other areas. It's a lot more pleasant to say yes to everybody. But now we're called upon to make the tough decisions. Hochul is proposing an increase of $825 million for schools. But that's far less than the record spending over the previous two years. And she wants to funnel much of those funds to the state's poorest schools, many of them in New York cities. The plan would end the decades-long tradition known as Halt Harmless. That ensures that no school district, even the state's wealthiest, will ever get less money in the state budget than it did in the previous year. As much as we may want to, we are not going to be able to replicate the massive increases of the last two years. No one could have expected the extraordinary jumps to recur, in aid to recur annually. The Republican minority leader in the Senate, Robert Ort, says some GOP senators who represent suburban and rural districts object to the proposal. He says he believes it's no coincidence that the school districts that are less likely to receive cuts are represented by Democrats in the legislature. It's all rural and suburban districts that are going to see cuts in spending, in some cases drastically, and not the cities. And, and that, to me, really smacks of, of hypocrisy, but it also smacks of partisanship. Ort predicts that some Democratic senators who represent suburban districts will also be opposed to the idea. If the governor's plan is taken at face value, I have to believe that my colleagues in the other side of the aisle are going to have something to say about this. Advocates for school funding who have been closely allied with Democrats in the legislature, including the New York State United Teachers Union, are also against ending Hold Harmless. In a statement, NYSET President Melinda Person says the critical need to consistently support our our students and educators should not vary with the fluctuations in our state tax revenue. Senate Democratic Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins sought to minimize any public friction over the proposal and other items in the budget, including the governor's plan to trim $1 billion out of the Medicaid budget. That comes as the state's safety net hospitals say they are nearing financial ruin due to low Medicaid reimbursement rates. Stewart-Cousins says everything will be discussed. We're going to talk about her approaches to, to a lot of things in the budget. That's why this is going to be an exciting season. We can't wait. <laughs> In a few weeks, the Senate and Assembly will present their own budget counterproposals. Assembly Speaker Carl Hasty says he's not ruling out some changes after he's gone through the plan with his Democratic members. That may include spending increases and raising revenues, possibly through tax increases for the wealthy. In dealing with the members of the conference, I have to see what the spending, the, the wish list is, and then we have to try to see if we have enough revenue to match us. Any proposals for tax hikes will also create a budget roadblock. Hochul has already said she will not accept any new tax increases, saying New Yorkers' taxes are already high enough. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt for the New York Public News Network. The federal prison in the Adirondacks has been on lockdown for more than two weeks. According to the Adirondack Daily Enterprise, a corrections officer at FCI Raybrook found a package that was dropped inside the prison property by a drone on January 2nd. The package contained drugs, cell phones, and chisels. The Enterprise reports that the FBI and state police are investigating who purchased and dropped off the package. The lockdown is expected to end in the next week. During lockdowns, inmates are kept in their cells for most of the day and don't have access to phone calls or email. This is the second lockdown in four months. A Krogan man died in a garage fire at his home early Monday morning. 
when fire crews arrived at the William Street home, they found an attached garage fully engulfed in flames. The Lewis County Sheriff's Office says 61-year-old Lawrence Larry Lindaker was in the garage at the time of the fire and wasn't able to get out. The Sheriff's Office continues to investigate the cause and origin of that blaze. According to Lindaker's, uh, Lindaker's obituary, he worked at the Lewis County Solid Waste Department's transfer site in Lowville. The Lowville and Krogan transfer stations will be closed Saturday uh, so that staff can attend his funeral. Lindaker is survived by his wife, four children, and several grandchildren. A heavy lake effect snow store, uh, snow warning remains in effect for Jefferson, Lewis, and Oswego counties through this evening. The National Weather Service in Buffalo says the area could see two to three more feet of snow with the greatest amounts on the Tug Hill Plateau. Wind gusts of up to 35 miles per hour could cause blowing and drifting snow. The Jefferson and Lewis County Sheriff's offices say travel advisories for both counties remain in effect. Drivers are advised to plan ahead and check the weather forecast before traveling. And Todd, how is the weather looking uh, throughout the rest of the region? Scattered snow showers, scattered snow showers and uh, light winds out of the southwest. Highs today in the low to mid 20s. And then tonight, uh, turning colder lows in the teens. Tomorrow, a high near 10 above with mostly cloudy skies on Friday. Saturday, about a 50-50 chance of snow showers. Continued cold with highs single digits near 10 above on Saturday. Right now in Canton, clouds and 16 degrees. And that's it for Northern Light for this Thursday, January 18th. Don't forget, Morning Edition continues in just a couple of minutes. Then after that, it's the Marketplace Morning Report coming up between 8.51 and 9 o'clock. We'll get caught up on all the morning's business news. And don't forget, this Saturday is the Howell Grand Slam at St. Lawrence University. It's time to hear the best of the best at our annual celebration of storytelling, the Howell Grand Slam. Winning storytellers from the regional Howell Story Slams will take the stage at the Gulick Theater at St. Lawrence University this Saturday night at 7, online ticket sales end tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Go to ncpr.org slash howl. I'm Monica Sandreski. I'm Todd Moe. Be well.